Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another brand new episode of the Define University podcast. I'm so excited to record this podcast because it's a little different venture than I've done here on the podcast. So typically, if you're a fellow listener, you know there are some weeks where it's just me and I'm talking all things mindset and how we can bring that into our classrooms, into our schools, and into our lives. And then other times I have guests where we have a share your story series. Well, today we're kind of doing a combination and I have a great, great friend of mine, Kirill Stolman, who is going to be joining me today on this episode. And we're going to talk mindset. We're going to talk her story, but we're going to do it through the lens of breaking down one of our favorite books that we've read is The Four Agreements. And so we are going to take a little bit of a deep dive into these four agreements written by Don Miguel Ruiz, and we're going to spin it and have this conversation about how this can apply to the life of an educator, a leader, a teacher, you name it. We are going to share it, so get ready. But before we jump into what those agreements might be or what they are, um, Kirill, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here with you today um, and have this opportunity to share my story as well as maybe some insights that will help other educators in their endeavor in the classroom. Absolutely. And so we've known each other now for, if I don't even know if it's over, it might even be over a year at this point. Um, I don't know, which is so mind-blowing. Um, but since since we connected, we, we've always had this, this alignment, this connection, this way that we see the world, which is amazing and phenomenal. And one thing you know about my journey is, is the mindset journey that I've taken. And the one thing I would love for you to share, you know, kind of right off the bat is a little bit of your journey, of your story and how mindset training, mindset shifting has really changed your ability to lead, to be a leader in your life. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So, you know, I'm one of those educators that knew all her life that she was going to be a teacher, you know, as a little girl playing classroom with my friends and, you know, teaching to my siblings. And, you know, so my journey through my education experience led me to my degree in education and was a a classroom teacher for, you know, close to 15 years. Um, Interestingly enough, the journey into leadership and administration was not one that I naturally Um, had thoughts that I would find myself in until probably about midway my career, about that 13th, 14th um, year as a teacher, I had a really great administrator, mentor, now really good friend who uh, really encouraged me to step into the leadership side of things as her assistant principal. And then I moved into principalship of where I served for about 13 years. Um, And one of the really wonderful things about it was that the whole mindset piece and I think perspective on life in general and impact on classroom um, student instruction and our teachers was the whole mindset piece and how much that influences the things that we do 
on a daily basis. And she felt in me that I had that ability to share and extend to others to help promote growth in our school. So that's where my leadership journey really um, started because I, as I said, when I was beginning of teacher, uh, beginning years teaching, I never saw myself as an administrator or principal because I saw a side of it that wasn't appealing to me. So this other perspective, um, an opportunity to come through to serve others through sharing my insights and uh, the importance of um, the integrity of the work that we do and a positive attitude and helping to others, helping others to learn and grow really led me to, you know, being in administration for as long as I had. Um, the other piece of it is the ability to help educators. I always did want to help teachers become better teachers. And um, I found that through using professional and personal development in my training with my teachers, I could help them to create the mindset that was really needed to impact our students um, and our families in our school. Yeah. And I think I love that you brought up that that combination because I really think it's, you know, growth and development really, I believe has to happen from a personal and a professional lens. And I think so often in, in education, we focus on the professional, we focus on the next initiative, we focus on the next curriculum or the next best thing. And we forget that the people doing the initiatives, the people doing the next best thing, the people writing and implementing and teaching the curriculum are people. <laughs> and, and they too deserve, right? Educators deserve personal growth as well as professional growth. And I think for years, I did only professional, right? Give me all the books, give me all the things so I can grow. And yet I would get home and I would, I, I would feel like I, I shrunk almost. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel, I wasn't growing at all. I was actually going in the opposite direction. And so you know, and that was me as a teacher in a classroom. And so I'm wondering, you know, as a former school administrator, how important did you see this type of work, this combination, you know, mindset, self-awareness, acceptance for the teachers in your building? Yeah, it's absolutely essential. And so, you know, it wasn't something that my first years as an administrator that I put into my professional development with my teachers either, because I, like you, had learned that everything is poured into content, knowledge, and strategies and skills. Um, but what I began to see when I became a leader is that the way people interact with each other and what they bring to the table each and every day that they show up was more important oftentimes than anything else. And, you know, we're human. The human experience and education is a relationship um, industry, if we want to call it that. I, I'm sure I could find a better word, but, um, you know, it's all about relationships relating to communication. Um, so if you are lacking in mindset or don't have skills or strategies um, to become self-aware and knowing, you know, how you can impact a situation or just how you manage yourself so that you can do the best job possible, you know, you can have all of the content knowledge in the world, but you can't give our school communities what they need without being very centered and very confident and very knowing of who you are and how you manage those interactions with others. Yeah, I think of it almost in a way, you know, so as a, as a teacher, it really, as whatever role you are in education, I know, I know there's listeners listening that, you know, our teachers, there's staff, there's parents, there's admin, whatever your role is, however you're connected to education, you know, there are so many 
other points of view that will impact you every day mm -hmm. if you allow them to, right? We have our students, we have paraprofessionals, we have our admin, we have other colleagues, we have parents, we have community members, we have board members. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so if we are not solid and anchored and aligned mm -hmm. with our values and who we are, we're going to fall to those to those voices so quickly. And I say that because I did it. You know, I did that for years mm -hmm. and I and I kept trying to be somebody different for everybody else. And, and I think for me going through this, you know, it's, it's much more than mindset. But to me, it truly does come down to mindset. Um, I think it's a lot more than that. You know, I will often say the mindset we hold, the language we use and the actions we take. But I think if, if you know, to me, it centers to your identity. Your identity comes from the mindset you hold and or it might be vice versa. The, the mindset comes from the identity you hold, right? And so if we are taking action that doesn't align to our identity, we're going to feel disconnected. And in reviewing kind of for our chat today about the four agreements, that to me is like the thing that kept showing up is this whole concept of who is my identity, like what, what do I identify as? And so, you know, I think if you're ready, let's dive on into, to this book. What do you think? I am ready. <laughs> All right. So if you have not readers, if you have not read this book, do yourself a favor and get it. Um, it is a short, quick, quick read, although it's jam packed. So it's one that, yes, it's a quick read, but you're probably going to want to read it more than once. <laughs> um, it's only about 120 pages, but it's, maybe like a six inch book, like it's a pretty small, small book. But what it does, what the author does is he goes through these four agreements. And though what they are, are the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. The second one is don't take anything personally. The third is don't make assumptions. And the fourth is to always do your best. So what we are going to do now is we're going to kind of dive in, we're going to do a little deep dive into each of these agreements and really think about how they relate to us and then what our perspective is on um, how they relate to education and leadership. And, you know, listeners, I encourage you to do the same, you know, grab a sheet of paper, grab a pen, write down what this means to you, do a little uh, reflection exercise with us, because this is how you bridge that gap between consuming what you're hearing right now and then creating meaning. So now you can go take action as it aligns to you. So. The first agreement, be impeccable with your word. All right, Carol, what does that mean to you? You know, um, I love this one. Out of all of the agreements, I find that this is, and even the author himself says, it's the most impactful, the most powerful one. Um, and, you know, our word, there's a phrase out there, I think somebody says that it might, your word is all you have, which I don't know that I 100% agree with. It's all you have. But our word is how we communicate with others. And there is um, such an importance that is placed on meaning what you say, saying what you mean, being truthful and have integrity behind what you say, and knowing that the things that we say impact other people. So when we're impeccable with our word, we're always mindful of those things and, um, and how we use our language. And in particular, you know, not just in our own personal lives, but connection to classroom and to school, knowing that in, especially as leaders, so whether you're a classroom teacher leading your students or you're a school administrator leading your staff or you're a board member that's leading the board and community members that are involved, you know, you have to not be reactionary with your words. You need to 
know that it is going to have impact and you're going to leave an imprint on others by what you say. And that what you're saying is really, um, you know, it's founded in a truth. It's not based on, as we're going to get into later in conversation with some of the other agreements, but, you know, it's not based on gossip or rumor or other people's opinions that you, you know, it's so strongly connected with your values that you can feel comfortable and confident that what you're saying and the purpose for what you're saying is going to have great meaning and impact. Yeah, I I think... I mean, even just looking at like the word impeccable, right? Like he didn't say focused. He didn't say confident. He didn't say, you know, any of these things. He said be impeccable. And the piece that stands out to me is this is all the time, right? This is not, you know, when things are going well, (laughs) when life's good, when there are no challenges, this is all the time. And I know for me at first, when I first started on this journey, I was like, but I can't do all the time. Like that was so so overwhelming to me. And, and I remember a a coach that we have in common said, then go for 1%, go for 1% better and then 1% better. And eventually you're going to get to that tipping point of 51%. And at that point, it's going to start to feel more natural and more organic. So if you're listening to this and saying, Oh my gosh, how do I be impeccable all the time? Start where you're at and take one step further. 1% more. What is it? Where are, and sometimes it's easier to look at where are you not being impeccable with your word? Where does what you're saying not match what you're doing? Because that disconnect, that, that misalignment, that lack of trust between what I say and what I do is going to impact us huge as leaders because we are leading people, which means they're looking to us. So if my words don't match my actions, guess what I'm going to find in the people that I'm leading. I'm gonna find people that tell me one thing, but do something different. And I've been listening lately. Are you familiar with Jim Fortin? Mm-hmm. I am. <laughs> yeah, so I've been listening. I've been like heavy hitting into his podcast lately. Um, I'll put it in the show notes for anyone interested, but he's like the subconscious, unconscious guru. And he talks a lot about um, that it's so important to have self-integrity and to show up for yourself, no matter what. And I think as educators, we're really good at doing that for other people. But do we keep those same commitments to ourselves? And so I know for me, because this is a goal that I've been working on is, you know, I will commit to anybody else 100% no matter what. Yet, and now I will commit to myself with the same the same degree, Mm -hmm. because I know that I matter, but it's gonna be a long time to get there. And so I'm reading, I'm reading this chapter and that's what I kept thinking, right? Like be impeccable with your word to everybody. And that includes you, right? That includes your own self-integrity. If you say you're going to do something for you, do you actually do it or do you push it off because something else came up? And I think for me, that's almost where it gets, that's where it gets challenging is how do we commit to the words that we speak to ourselves? Yeah, I absolutely 100% agree with you. And I love um, that you first hit on the point that it's, it's easy to be impeccable with your word when things are going well, you know, that it's, it's easy on the good days, but we need to work to do it always. And, um, you know, the connection to, you know, our word with ourselves it has to start from within with our own personal language of how we talk about, you know, our accomplishments or how our days go, or if it's a bad day that we don't use language that, you know, is critical or demeaning or insulting or, you know, all those um, things. 
Um, so yeah, starting with that connection with the word to ourself and holding true to what those values are and being able to then extend them outside of ourselves and that self-awareness that when things are not good or when we have a challenge that we face, um, you know, whatever, if it's a difficulty in our personal lives or it's in our work lives and interaction with a staff member or a student, that being aware of our word and how we're speaking it as well as what we are saying, you know, is not reactionary. It still aligns to who we are as a person and the things that we believe in foundationally, you know, because we all want to do great things, especially in the field of education. If, we're, if you're not in here to impact the lives of families and kids, you know, I think we all have that internal passion of giving to others, you know, you can't do that to the best of your ability if you're not aware of um, the words you speak and words that we speak to ourselves. Yeah, that create our identity as who we want to be as educators. Yeah. And I think the last point that I really want to hit on with this one before we head into the second agreement is that this does not mean we are not truthful with our word, right? This does not mean we just say everything's okay when it's not. But instead, this means we be we are truthful with what's going on. And, and, you know, I love the example you used of, you know, it being a bad day. You know, I think so often we over categorize things based on these, you know, predetermined words that we will often use. It was good or bad, right? We, it gets down into the this or that. And, you know, I, I, I've stopped doing that. I try not really hard not to label my days even as good or bad. And instead, I will say today was a day filled with and then I and then it's experiences, right? Experiences mm -hmm. that brought me joy and experiences that brought me um, pain and experiences that brought me discomfort, right? And experience, you know, because when we try to categorize the whole day by one day or by one word, it, it, it again, it loses that impact. It loses that meaning because what, what scale are you using to say it was, it was a bad day, yeah. right? Every day is filled with experiences. And what did those experiences teach you? What lessons did you learn? What meanings did you bring um, or did you gain? And that's how you be impeccable with your word. It's not about judgment or shame or any of those things. It's about being honest and real. And the only way we can do that is when we know who we are, you know, as the educator, as any role that we, we live. And I think that's how we can practice it every day. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And to not overgeneralize which is an easy thing to do, which discredits all of the good things that happen every single day. Yes, exactly. I, I mean, I will talk to teachers now and say, how was your day? You know, I see them at the end and they'll be like, it was really tough. I'm like, oh my goodness, tell me what happened. And I'm waiting for like, you know, all the things and it's, and it's one half hour, right? And I'm not saying, you know, it was like, it was seventh period. And that's not to say seventh period didn't push your buttons or, or trigger you or do, you know, it was not challenging. It was, but are we going to focus on the one period that was a challenge or are we going to say, yep, my day was filled with seventh period, pushing my buttons, and it was filled with six other periods of the day that brought me whatever, right? Like, where are we focused? And because to me, it all comes down to the words we speak is the life we live, right? The experiences that are going to happen truly happen because of the words that I choose to speak. And that's why to me, they are the most powerful tool we have that really don't take, they don't take any extra money, they don't take any extra time, but they take a whole lot of self um, authenticity and vulnerability to say what's really going on in here. Absolutely. 100% agree with you. Awesome. I love it. All right. So that, that listeners, again, that's, that's the first agreement. And again, this is a short book, but 
and, and so Kirill and I have like a, a notes page that we are referencing to make sure we hit on so many of these topics because we were joking before we, we hit record that we could probably do an episode on every agreement. So if you're sitting here like, oh my gosh, this is so much, this is why this work is so important because it always expands. You know, this is the second time. So I've read this book twice now that we're talking about it. And I, I'm ready to read it again. Like I'm ready to dive back in and see what am I learning this time? Because when you have a tool such as a book like this, it's not a one and done. It is a constantly expansive process. So if you're feeling a little overwhelmed, it's okay to pause. It's okay to breathe. It's okay to listen. Jot down what you're thinking and feeling because that's what's going to help you reflect and grow from this type of episode where we're really going deep into some of these um, pieces. All right, so the second agreement is one that I, I coach on quite often and it is don't take anything personally. And guys, did you catch that? Anything. Doesn't mean we get to take things personally when it's from this person or that person. Again, this is we are not taking it. We are not taking anything personally. And the reason we take things personally is because we believe at some level that what the other person is saying is true, right? And I know when I read that, I, it was like a gut punch moment. It's like, you want to like defend, you want to be like, but no, that's not it. But it is because if we're getting reactive, if we're getting defensive, we had to have taken it personally. We had to have believed there was some degree of it to be true, but it doesn't have to be right. And that's the crazy part of it. So that was, I think, off the off the cuff, that was like my biggest takeaway from it is that we get to decide, am I going to take it personally or not? So, Krill, I would love to know what your kind of main takeaway from this chapter was. Yeah, you know, um, this is one that kind of hit me in the gut as well, I have to be honest with you, because in reading it, I really reflected on all the times that I have taken things personally and, um, you know, led me to maybe some choices that I, I wouldn't have made or in action because I didn't feel confident in myself. But uh, yeah, the things that other people say or do, you know, it's from their own experience and their own beliefs and their own interactions. And a lot of times we impose um, because we are emotional beings, like our thoughts and feelings onto other people. And we say things, you know, to others that, you know, I mean, being social beings, you know, what other people think about us matters. We want affirmation that, you know, we are good people and we're talented people and we're doing good things and we're making impact. And so, you know, when we hear or see what other people do, you know, we take it as a reflection on our interactions, communication, relationship with them. You know, but in the book, the author says it also goes for good things too. You know, to not take it personally if somebody, you know, tells you that they think that you're you're the most amazing teacher ever. Like, don't take it personally because that's their perspective, and that has all to do based on their experiences and where you are at with it. You know, you just have to be solid in yourself of, Hey, that's a great compliment, but like, I don't, I also don't need that affirmation from other people around me to affirm who I am as an individual. So um, yeah, it's, but it's a hard thing to do because as I said, we are emotional beings, you know? So a lot of times there's that instantaneous reaction to something that somebody says or does you know, and oftentimes as educators, 
we find ourselves in those situations with how a student responds or chooses to not respond to us in the classroom or how a parent or another staff member responds to an idea or something that we've said. Um, and we take it personally and it can cause us a bit of like frustration and overwhelm and upset. We need that self-awareness to know that, hey, that's just somebody else's perspective. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the lens that they're looking through it and where they're coming from. But it doesn't mean that it's true. And it doesn't mean that I have to own that perception, that I have my own and that confidence in who I am and my abilities. So again, like when we talk about that self-awareness piece, it's critical, you know, and that's why per going back to one of our original statements of personal development on top of professional development, that's why it's so important that we learn these things and are able to connect to who we are just as, as individuals. Um, so yeah, that's, I think, in a, a really good nutshell how I feel about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so, again, it's one we could go, we could go so big with it, but I think to keep it, to keep it or try to keep it as simplistic as we can you know, one of the things that I, because I often coach and train um, teachers on how to work with, you know, some of our most difficult students, the students that do not react or respond in ways that we are expecting. And, you know, one of the things that is so crucial to that is to not take what they are doing or saying personally. And like you said, in order to do that, you've got to know who you are rock solid. You've got to know that if a student says something offensive or calls you an offensive word, you do not have to feel offended. You have that choice. And the moment you do become offended, you're really giving away that power that you have as the educator. Um, James Wedmore is another, um, you know, mindset, I call him a mindset guru. He's in the business world, but he does all things spirituality, energetic. Um, I know you know who he is because you told me about him in the first place. <laughs> Um, and he talks about that. He talks all about personal power and not giving your personal power away. And if somebody says something offensive and calls you a name and you, you get defensive, you in some way, shape or form are agreeing because otherwise you would say, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry you're that upset that you would think that you would rise to needing to call me that name. I'm so sorry you think that. But instead, we get defensive. I'm not that. That's not me. And in the moment, it's really never usually about us. It's never about me. It's about something the student is experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so, and there's tons of words we could use this for. Something that's disrespectful does not mean I have to be disrespected. Something that is, um, trying to think of another one off the top of my head. Of course, it's not going to come to me. Um, but it's, it's those pieces. We do not have to feel that way. We can choose a different path, but it has to start when we know who we are. And I love that you brought up the compliment piece because I know for me and in educators I coach, that's one of the hardest things is accepting that compliment, you know, in a way that it's not, we don't need it. Like you said, we aren't, we aren't living for compliments, but being able to truly receive it and, and have that ability to say, thank you, right? And so one thing I used to do to practice this is if someone gave me a compliment, in my head, I would, I would thank them, I would thank them verbally, but in my head, I would agree with them. So if someone said, hey, I love your sweater today, that's a really awesome sweater, I would say, thank you so much. And then in my head, I'd be like, I love this sweater too, you know? And if it was, hey, that was a really great lesson. Thanks so much. I'm so glad you, you loved it. And in my head, there really was a great lesson. And so, because I wanted to reaffirm to me what I thought about it. I wasn't doing it because somebody was saying, oh, 
I'm going to do that lesson again because she liked it. She, she liked it. So I'm going to do it again. No, I'm going to take that compliment. I'm going to reflect. And this doesn't take, takes maybe five seconds to say, oh yeah, that was a great lesson. I'm going to keep that because I want to do that again. I love how I feel. My students were engaged, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's just so important that when we're thinking about taking anything from anybody outside of us, of who we are, it's their opinion, it's their perspective, and you have the ability, yes, it can be challenging, but you have the ability to not take it personally and not let it affect how you define yourself, what you value, and, and who you are as the authentic person that you are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's a thought that I just had as you were talking about that was, you know, it's not meaning that other people's opinions don't have a place, but we remember that we always have the power to reflect, to decide and choose for ourselves if we agree with it totally, completely, if that represents what we're thinking or not thinking. I mean, say for instance, I came into your classroom and I told you that was absolutely the best lesson ever. Like you didn't need to change a thing. I absolutely loved it. But you know, from your perspective that you saw in that lesson that you had the student over here on your left that really wasn't either A, engaged or wasn't really grasping it. So if you just took somebody else's opinion and took it personally as this is the best lesson that I've ever taught and it is you know, I don't need to touch or change a thing. You're not going to, right? Because you weren't reflective on it yourself and decided whether or not that truly stands for what you're believing in your own self and what your experience was in the process. So again, that self-awareness piece and just pulling in and knowing that, you know, all the information that comes outside of us, you know, can have a purpose and it can impact us positively or negatively, but we still have that choice of whether or not we agree that it is or isn't, you know, in talking about this, just think about the empowerment that we would give to our students if we can teach these things, right, about the language that they use with themselves and with others, and about the power of not taking things personally, and what kind of roadblocks that will remove from for them in their own progress and pathway as a learner in the classroom. So again, personal development, not just for our staffs, but for our students as well. Yes. Absolutely. It, uh, yeah, couldn't agree more because it almost, it, it limits us if we just hear that was a great lesson. And then we don't, we don't do that reflection on, on, you know, what was great about it, right? Because then you can take that and apply that to another lesson. Or maybe I did catch something that they didn't see or that I didn't feel right with me. And, and so if I just take their feedback and say, great, I don't need to do anything. I, I'm kind of inadvertently limiting my own growth, my own growth as, a, as an educator. And, you know, I love that you brought up the students because I have this conversation with students all the time. They'll be, they'll be you know, have, it, have exploded. They'll be telling me, well, what happened? Well, he called me this name. And I said, well, are you that? And he looked at me and he goes, of course not. I said, then why, why are you trust believing him? You are, you just told me you're not it. So why, why are we taking this? So, and, and we got into a big a conversation about a really great conversation. And it really came down to limiting beliefs that this student had about themselves. And he did believe it to be true, but he knew to say to me, no, of course not. I don't believe that. But when we really broke it down and I was super thankful and grateful that the student let me break it down with him because he was then able to see he'd been living this limiting belief because come to find out his parents had been using the same words and his parents were, had been telling him, you're not going to amount to anything. Um, and I don't remember the specific words. If they were not good words, they were not powerful or, I mean, I guess they were powerful, but not in the positive way. And, you know, he, 
we were able to break that down into who he truly wanted to be as a student and a learner and a person. And then we saw growth, but it really took me teaching him about things that we don't often think to teach students, limiting beliefs. You know, again, we our limiting beliefs are strong by seven years old. So anybody beyond first grade, you've got kids in your classroom that have limiting beliefs. Um, you know, my daughter has limiting beliefs. She's almost seven. And it was like, as soon as I learned that concept, I was like, oh no, <laughs> we got to start unpacking the limiting beliefs now. Um, you know, not to say teachers that you need to go be doing lessons on limiting beliefs, but do lessons on stories and the stories that our students have been hearing and the stories that they tell themselves, because that is where you're going to have the impact. That's where you're going to break the code to to who I can be as a student and how I can engage in my work. And again, we knew we'd get here. We knew we would get on tangents because that's what we do when we, yes. when we do that. But, but that's okay. I think it's all great, great things. Um, but let's head into the third agreement. So, okay. oh man, don't make assumptions. So personally, this is the hard, <laughs> this is the hardest one for me, um, especially when it comes to something, this is just real honest moment that I have experience or expertise in. It is really hard to not, not assume. Now that being said, that is the number one goal I work on right now is really truly listening and actively listening without that response, without that, Ooh, I have something to help you without that. Oh, here, try this. This is what you, this is what I think, and and jumping to those conclusions or assumptions, um, because all that really is doing is showing my bias, my my perspective, my experience, and I'm not giving the other person, I'm not giving either one of us an opportunity to grow and learn from one another. So, what what were your big takeaways from this chapter? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I think that we are all experts on making assumptions. <laughs> I don't think that there's any single person that doesn't make assumptions because we're constantly taking in information around us. We're seeing things, we're hearing things, we're interpreting things, and that's influencing our thoughts and our beliefs at that moment. And if we don't keep those in check and we don't think about some of the things that we've just previously talked about in this episode, you know, then we do come to make all of the things that we're seeing and all that information we're taking in as a belief and we're making it true when it's not true. And that's because we don't have all pieces of information. So with, with that in mind, one of the greatest takeaways that I had on this agreement was the importance of communication. And, you know, we are going to always find ourselves in those situations where, you know, we're, we're viewing something, we're looking at something and in our minds, we're thinking about what that might mean. So I think the key word is there, you know, that's a possibility, but that's not the truth. And so, you know, when we encounter those situations where we're taking information in, in whatever way it's coming to us, you know, to consider that as that is a perspective based on, you know, a limited amount of information, start the communication, start the conversation, ask questions, think about if there's other perspectives that there could be in that situation. And that keeps us out of a lot of trouble and a variety of different situations when you can open up that communication piece and get to know a little bit more about what's going on or what an expression might have meant or what somebody might be thinking, you know, and not to just think that even our closest people to us in our lives, that we've got it all figured out or they have us all figured out. 
I mean, I just had an experience yesterday where I had an expression on my face and I was totally, completely fine. But the interpretation, you know, may cause somebody worry or concern um, because it's just that moment that they caught. So had the questions not been asked and I had an opportunity to say, oh, no, here's what's going on in my mind right now, you know, left to that assumption, it could have led to things that weren't good. And I think it happens a lot in our classrooms, you know, and as managing staffs and managing students, we're constantly looking and taking in information and things that are going on and we're catching glimpses of things. And before we ask questions or have conversations, we make these judgments in our mind to say, this is what it must be. That awareness to say, stop right there. That's a perspective. Let's find more information is critical. Yeah. I think really taking the opportunity to ask ourselves, how do I know, how do I, or why do I think that? How do I know that to be true? And if I don't have an answer, then, then I know I've jumped to an assumption. And again, you know, hopefully, you know, people listening get it. Like we, we both identified, like we've done this, we do this. This is, this is something we do as humans. Right. And I think part of it comes down to that we're living in this such a fast paced world that we forget to slow down and we forget to really gather information from sources. And yes, it's going to take some asking questions and it's going to take some digging, but that it, that's what's, that's what's got to happen as a leader. Because if I'm as a leader, if I'm jumping to conclusions, guess who else is jumping to conclusions or making (laughs) exactly everybody I'm interacting with. So You know, and I think one of my favorite um, quotes from this chapter is that, you know, as humans, we don't perceive things the way they are. We perceive things the way we see them or we hear them or we touch them, you know, all those senses piece. And it was one of those things I had to read a few times because I was like, what are we talking about? That is the way it is. But it's the way it is because it's through my lens, right? My filter. And, And I think when we can recognize that and we can slow down enough so that we truly are at that awareness stage of what's going on. How can I find more information? What questions can I ask so I can have the conversation and I can increase communication? Well, then I'm gonna increase connection. And we know as educators, that is, our, that is one of our best tools, is that connection piece. And so I think if we're making assumptions, we're not gonna be connecting because we're gonna lose, there's not gonna be value in it. And so I think it's just so important to remember that we see life through our lens. It stems from our prior experiences, our beliefs, our upbringing, our, you know, histories of reinforcement, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, but that's ours. And we can own it. We love it. It served us. It got us to this day. We are here, but don't put that on somebody else. Don't, don't make an assumption about somebody else because of how you are viewing the situation and instead invite conversation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that because our, our perceptions, the way we view things isn't going to be a mirror for the way everybody else You know, I mean, think about it just like in photo editing, for example, you know, the picture could look this way or it could look like B or it could look like C depending on the filter. So our experiences become filters for things and they, you know, impose on our perceptions um, and the assumptions that we may or may not make about things. So yeah, that self-awareness is critical and that connection of not making assumptions to not taking things personally, you know, and reminding ourselves when other people say or do things that it's based on their perceptions, you know, and it could be an assumption that they're making. They don't have the whole story. They don't have every piece of, uh, you know, every bit of information. So, you know, put that aside and move forward and start the conversation. The author had said, um, 
there was a quote in there, something uh, along the lines of our assumptions fulfill our need to know, and they replace the need for communication. And that is exactly what we do not want to have them happen. So we need to get rid of that assumption, spilling the need of that information into the work and take the extra step to communicate. Oh, so good. So important. All right. We have made it. We're at the fourth, <laughs> the fourth agreement, which is one of, I think they're all my favorite. I mean, I don't know that I could just pick one, but this one is really, really tried and true to me because it's something that um, the educators on the Teach Better team talk a whole lot about, and that is always doing your best and being your best self. And it's something that I've really uh, kind of anchored to and really redefined what your best self gets to be. And, and it made me think of actually just this week, I was in a sixth grade class and they were watching a, a YouTube video on growth mindset. And I loved it. Like I was sitting there, I'm taking notes because this was a really good video. I'm, I'm sitting here taking notes like the again, mindset coach that I am. And there was a quote in that video that says, we can always get better at getting better. And that's how we show up as our best. And I love that because it kind of, it kind of brought everything together for me, right? So our goal is to be better. Our goal is to, to experience the moment, reflect, grow, and then do better. And by doing that, you're showing up as your best. But one of the things that we always come back to is your best will change. This is not to say, this is not to compare, you know, where I am now to where I was then to where I'm going and to get all complex. This is to understand that your best at every moment will change. So you get to take the pressure off. You get to, you know, take the, the elephant sitting on your shoulders right now and throw them away and say, I get to be my best and that will change. And that's exactly how it's supposed to be. Yeah. So what were your, what were your takeaways? You know, I, I 100% agree with what you said is, you know, I usually agree with everything you say. <laughs> Because we're so like-minded, but yeah, like doing our best is always going to change because we evolve as human beings because we get new experiences that help us to learn new information and see things in a different way. Um, and there's always room for growth. So that growth mindset of, you know, how I do things right now does not need to be the be all end all. There's opportunity to, to grow from this and to learn to do it better. And if I gave effort and I had good intention and maybe it's not exactly the outcome that I was looking for, but it is what it is in this moment. And I know that I gave it my all. So this was my best today. And I have opportunity from there. Um, the author didn't say this, but is I was reflecting on always doing your best. One of the reasons why I think it's this, this is an important concept is that if we can get in our minds that we're, uh, we can always do our best in this moment, it allows us grace. Grace in everything we do to not be judgmental of ourselves if we don't get something perfect or if we do have a misunderstanding or, you know, a miscommunication or we, we miss a bit of information that could have impacted our results. So if we know that we're doing our best, we allow ourselves grace and space to make mistakes and to learn from them um, and to make the change that is necessary. So, yeah. And I think, again, I think it's, it's that pressure. You get to take the pressure off, right? So if you, are on, if you are honest with yourself and truthful and you're always doing your best, then there's no room for judgment. Like it's not, it's not even there because you're, you're doing. And here's, here's the key part. Because we always, I always talk about, it's, you know, we want to be over what we do, right? So really anchoring into who am I? So if you are doing your best, 
meaning you're coming from your best self, that it is your, your aligned self with your values. And that's the person that's doing the action. You, it can't be wrong, right? It, it has to be your best because being leads to doing. And again, I'm going to bring up Jim Fortin again, because I've been doing all of his stuff lately. And he, he uses three key words. And he says, this is the shift that needs to happen. And it's, we are often all conditioned in this, in this world to do a have, do, be. So I need to have this thing to do this thing so that I can be successful, right? So I have to have um, the up-to-date curriculum so I can do an engaging lesson, or actually let's use technology. I have to have the most up-to-date technology so I can teach the most interactive uh, lesson so that I can be a great teacher to students. Okay, so that's usually for all different examples, that's what we will use. And he says, flip it. And I, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's actually what I, without knowing it, it's, it's all the work that I've done, right? Over the last two years, I am a great teacher and using and that belief in myself, I am going to go teach lessons. I'm going to go do lessons that by students um, need or desire or want so they can have and an ability to engage with their work. It's, yeah. it's vice versa. And I think that's, again, it, it you know, again, it's a little tangent that relates, but always doing your best stems from within because the action isn't the most important part. So even though this chapter is do your best, you do your best when you live from within your inner self to, to that external environment. And so take yeah. the pressure off, take the pressure off, love who you are. I don't just say that, you know, at the end of every episode, because I think it's a nice thing to say. It's I truly, if you look in the mirror, do you love who you are? And if the answer is yes, if, if the answer is anything but yes, this is where you start. Start falling back in love with who you are, because that is going to be your catalyst and your momentum mover to get you to, to the place that maybe you desire, but don't think you're worthy of. And, and we're both here to tell you, you are so worthy of it. We've both done this transformative change and it literally does happen one step, one agreement, one shift at a time. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And you know, when you had said, I think that this is my favorite one, but they're all my favorite one. Um, I think this one is so powerful because it really is what ties all of these concepts together and knowing that, you know, if we set strongly in the intention to do our best by being impeccable with our word, by not taking things personally, by not making assumptions and anchoring in who we are and knowing that we're always striving to do better, become better, but also being acceptance, accepting of ourselves in this moment it opens up so many doors and possibilities and it removes for me and hopefully for other people, it removes that feeling of failure. And, you know, this could be another whole episode in itself, but the concept of perfectionism and really alleviates, like you said, that pressure of those two things um, so that we can continue the work and to evolve and become better and to be confident in who we are and in what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. All right. So there, there you have it, guys. <laughs> our, 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 our deep dive, if you will, into the four agreements. Again, the book we've been talking about today is called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. I will have the information in the show notes. Um, but hopefully this, if you have not read the book, hopefully this gave you um, good insight into those chapters. If you haven't, and honestly, if you have, I highly suggest reading it again, because again, it's one of those books that as you evolve, as you grow, as you 
um, get to that next level, you're going to see things through a different lens and perspective. And that's what, that's what this inner growth is all about. Remember, we are not creating the world that, or we're not creating the life we want by only changing the things outside of ourselves. We actually got to do it from the inside out. So we've got to take a look at who we are and let that be your guide. That is where, you know, that is where leadership begins before you can lead others. You've got to lead yourself into a life that's truly full of purpose and passion. Kirill and I live that every day. We're so excited, but it's, it's been, it's because we've worked at it. We, we have invested in the courses. We've invested in the coaching. We have said, I'm worth it and I'm going to do it. And, and hopefully by hearing Kirill's story and you've heard mine and I will continue to share it, that this work is so worth it. But it takes that investment to say, you know what, I do want better. I do want more for who I am. And we are here to tell you it is possible. Um, and it's more than possible for you um, as, as our listeners. So, Carol, any last words before we uh, end for today? Just a thank you for this opportunity to come on and have this conversation. And, you know, if it just hits one person to step out and to get that book that can impact and change, you know, the way they view things in the work that they do, this is 100% worth it. So just thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Like I said, we could talk for hours on mindset. We have, and we'll continue to do that. Um, I will make sure to put your contact info in the show notes. Um, if people want to connect further with you, um, and listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, stay tuned. Same time next week, uh, same time, same place. I'll be here with a brand new episode, but until then, uh, continue to love who you are, trust who you are, own who you are, because those will help you define who you are. All right, everyone have an amazing week ahead and I'll talk to you next week.